Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Adrenaline in his soul. Cody don't need no peck to steal the damn show. Hell in a cell in the books last night, and I still cannot come to grips with what we saw last night, SP3. The rumor started running. First off, injuries in the last like week alone. Like, Jesus. We went from the summer of fun to the summer of funk real damn quick as we're looking at months maybe without Cody Rhodes. Without CM Punk, I think those two for sure. But you got Adam Cole, who's banged up. You got Brian Danielson, who's banged up. You got Scorpio Sky, who's now banged up. Throw Matt Cardona in there as well. He had an NWA title defense that's supposed to be happening here soon. They are, it, it is contagious. It is running rampant right now. Injuries, professional wrestling. There is finishing a match when you get injured. And then there is what we saw last night, which was Cody Rhodes taking it to another level. When the rumors were running wild that he had injured his peck, we're wondering, okay, how badly is it hurt? Is WWE playing this up? There were a lot of questions. And when Cody took the jacket off last night, there were no more questions. That man had a full, blown-out, torn pectoral muscle and then proceeded to not just wrestle a match, they didn't go five minutes. They didn't go 10 minutes. He didn't just go. They put on a 30-minute classic inside Hell in a Cell. I still cannot wrap my mind around what we saw last night. One of the most gutsy performances in WWE history. I said it on uh, Twitter. The Mount Rushmore of fighting through the pain is Triple H when he tore his quad and continued on in the tag match against Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, along with Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's Mankind inside Hell in a Cell when he went through the cell, got thrown off the cell, had a tooth in his freaking nose and kept kept fighting. There is Kurt Angle with a broken freaking neck, not yep. only winning a gold medal in 1996, but, but having a full-on WrestleMania main event with Brock Lesnar back at WrestleMania 19, and there's Cody Rhodes. Like, the discoloration, the bruising on Gnarly. his pectoral muscle, his chest, his, his arm was just ugly, but he went out there, fought through the pain, had a an amazing matchup inside Hell in a Cell where the Hell in a Cell stipulation felt dangerous for the first time in forever. It feels like Seth Rollins deserves a lot of credit for someone who has been unrightfully given the kind of the label of an unsafe worker. He went out there with a guy with one arm and put on an amazing performance where Cody didn't get further hurt than he could have. So both men, my hat's off to them. Yeah, I think it's long overdue to give uh, Seth Rollins uh, his flowers, honestly, because this man has been on a roll uh, for the last two years, honestly, and he has been able to elevate himself and stay as one of the top level performers without winning a whole lot. I mean, how often do we talk about, you know, 
people's booking just absolutely murdering them. And Seth continues to pile up loss after loss after loss. And his his stock, honestly, is hasn't been this high since he was the WWE or the Universal Champion. So you have that going on with Seth. But yes, to your credit, he performed well last night. And that was that was your point. And hopefully maybe we'll have more time to talk about Seth Rollins on uh, our post Raw show uh, and give that man uh, his flowers uh, more. But last night, absolutely incredible. Um, it was uh, it was a mediocre sandwich, I'd say, last night. You had two great pieces of bread on the to start and end the show, and then some eh, some eh, uh, in the middle there. We'll talk about as much as we can on today's show because we got to fly through it because SB 3s got more important places to be uh, at uh, two fifty today. So we're gonna try and get through as many of your comments as possible. We do appreciate all you guys uh, joining us. Uh, make sure to send in your chats, and we will talk to them as uh, as as quickly as we can. First things first, got to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, developments, including this year's NBA Finals and NHL Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, fighting news, even next season's NFL futures. Head on to the, over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. I said 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe. To get started, that is B-L-E-A-V. You get your bonus, get right into the action, bet online where the game starts. And obviously the the headliner here is today that not only did Cody Rhodes wrestle inside Hell in a Cell last night with a completely torn peck, he beat Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell last night. So there were a lot of questions surrounding this performance last night. But I think if you were still skeptical, right? If you were still skeptical about how invested WWE really was in Cody Rhodes. All that has gone bye-bye. We're not going to see this man for four to six months. Fightful Select reporting today that uh, he's set to have surgery on Thursday uh, to repair that torn pectoral muscle. He'll be on Raw tonight, and I would venture a guess that's the last time we're going to see him before the Royal Rumble. But he went in there and beat so it would have been very easy for WWE to go, okay, Seth Rollins is fighting in one-armed man. Cody's going to be going away. It would make a whole lot of sense to kind of ride some momentum and give Seth Rollins that win last night. Nope, they did not do that. They put over Cody Rhodes in a huge way. And what Cody Rhodes did last night was not only solidify himself as the top babyface in WWE, hell, maybe, maybe even the top babyface in all professional wrestling. What he did last night was iconic. And that may sound cheesy to say, but it's 100% accurate. We could talk about whether or not he should have been inside that ring last night until the cows come home, because uh, you could go back and forth and argue, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But nobody's going to remember anything on this card 10 years from now, which is, a, which is a disservice to that women's match, because I believe the women's triple threat match last night was a classic. It was an absolute show stealer and if it wasn't for cody Rhodes' performance we would be talking about that match as the lead today but cody Rhodes steals the headline 10 years from now am i going to remember that women's triple threat match yes probably am i going to remember exactly when and where it took place nah i'm probably not 10 years from now i'm going to remember the night that cody Rhodes, with a torn peck with one arm put on a 30-minute classic with seth rollins he solidified himself. That was one of those history-making performances that no wrestling fan is ever, ever, ever going to forget. That's what we witnessed last night inside Hell in a Cell. 
yeah, like I said, it was a legacy building performance. Was it Cody Rose's best match of his career? No. no. I still think Double or Nothing 2019 against Dustin was just emotionally gripping without anybody having one arm. Um, so this was emotionally gripping and the most compelling WWE match in well over a decade. It made the Hell in a Cell stipulation feel dangerous once again. And yes, because of Cody, the visual of Cody with a torn pectoral muscle and the little things that were just spread out and the storytelling throughout it, you know, the, the polka dot uh, outfit by yeah, Seth, Seth was right last it's, night. It, Seth Rollins is putting together a, a Mount Rushmore of trolling. Uh, it, it, it was the Rey Mysterio outfit at SummerSlam 2020 against Dominic. There's the shield outfit against Roman at Raw Rumble this year. And now the polka dots against, against uh, Cody at yeah. Hell in a Cell 2022. This felt like, though, this felt like head, like a little bit of a notch above a lot of the great Hell in a Cells of the last couple of years. Even better than the Edge versus Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell from last year's Crown Jewel, which was fantastic and one of the best wwe matches of the year because of cody yes i will say because of cody's injury that's why it's elevated because this was someone really going out there with a legitimate injury and just fighting through the pain i know there's some people that's like you can't glorify this because this sets a bad precedent for other performers. And, you know, I've seen the memes of people being like, oh, Cody with the torn pectoral muscle, CM Punk with a stub toe. He gives up Shut his up. title. So, yeah, there is people that are going to take this and run with it. And there's someone in the back, a 77, 78-year-old, who the next time someone has a torn pectoral muscle and they're like, I, I don't think I'm going to perform, he's going to be like, well, well, well Cody. Rose went out there and had a 25 minute telling the cell match. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know if we really want to push you, pal. Uh, but yeah, we all know these people. We all know the guy in the back. It doesn't take away from what Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes accomplished. There was a hot crowd. There was Cody having a legacy building performance and Seth Rollins putting himself back into the conversation without a shadow of a doubt of one of the best wrestlers in the world. It was all three of those things coming together. These two have put on two, two fantastic matches at WrestleMania, WrestleMania backlash. And this one last night at hell in a cell topped them all. And this is one of, this is, I would say the best trilogy of matches two wrestlers have had in WWE in more than a decade. I would say it hasn't been since Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker that two guys have delivered these type of three matches. And Shawn Michaels and Undertaker had the privilege of having those three matches spread across 13 years. These guys did it in three months. So, yeah. it Absolutely, absolutely insane. And, you know, there there were people last night, you know, as soon as Cody's, Cody took off that jacket, they're going, dude, why? Dude, why, bro? Why? Like, why? Why do you? Why would you willingly put yourself through that? And, and that's one of the things. It's like they're gonna criticize, you know, Cody for going in there and putting his body through that, or they're gonna criticize WWE for letting him do that. And that that's a completely different conversation. Is yes, he was able to go through there. He was able to put himself through that, and he acted. And afterwards, right? He said, "Look, this was solely my decision." But should should somebody have stopped him last night? Right? Like, I know. 
I know that this is, this was the main event. They built this entire pay-per-view around them. Pulling that match from that card last night would have been detrimental to that pay-per-view. Let's not act like WWE really gave a damn about this pay-per-view all that much anyway. So I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'm like, dude, was this the wisest decision? No, abso absolutely not. Um, I'm not a doctor, okay? You can talk about completely torn pectoral muscle. Okay. At that point, can he hurt it any worse if it's completely torn? No, it's kind of a pain management thing, I would say. But when you're overcompensating using other parts of your body, that's when you can injure yourself further and you could take another bump and you know hurt your other arm or your knee or something, anything like that. So it was obviously a huge risk, and it's a hats off to, to everybody for uh, getting through that match last night. And I can't wait to hear what, what Cody Rhodes has to say tonight, but it's obvious he's going to miss some more time. If it were me, I probably would not have gotten into that ring, but Cody Rhodes is just built differently, man. And he made it clear last night, this was my choice. I wanted to do this. He tweeted out before the main event for the love of the game. That's it. And here's the thing. Like I said off the top of the show, he did that last night because we're sitting here talking about it today and we're going to be talking about it 10 years from now. And he, man, when he comes back, WWE needs to take that rocket, strap it to his back and launch him into the stratosphere because the way he delivered for WWE last night and for this company, he solidified himself and should solidify himself as the top star in WWE next to Roman Reigns. And they need to book him accordingly when he comes back. And I saw someone in the chat ask, so like, why did Cody go over if he's going to take time off with the surgery? It's because he basically just punched his card for a WrestleMania main event. Like, yeah. that's what it was. It was Triple H and that match with Sean, with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the two Canadian Chris's. He fought through the pain. He competed and he came back to a one of the biggest pops ever in Madison Square Garden and went on to win the Royal Rumble and went on to win the main event of WrestleMania 18 against Chris Jericho. I know WWE has, uh, you know, visions of grandeur of having The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39. And I know there's people that have told me, oh, you know, you can't do Roman and two back-to-back -back main events because if you really want to do The Rock, you're not going to risk it by giving him the match sorry wwe done booked themselves into a hole where <laughs> roman reigns and cody rhodes are the two biggest active stars that they have and they made one of those active stars a part-timer basically the and he's the undisputed wwe universal champion so what you do cody rhodes comes back he wins the world rumble night one it's cody versus roman and night two it's roman versus rock i'm sorry they have not built any woman and i love the women getting main events but they have not built any woman like they have built roman reigns or cody rhodes sorry sorry they haven't built anybody the way they've, they've built roman reigns and cody rhodes and that is kind of part of the issue with wwe right now Cody Rhodes put himself through that to solidify himself as a guy that they could book on the level of Roman Reigns. That's why he put himself through hell last night. It would have been very easy for him to sit back and go, all right, I hurt myself. Sorry, I'll be back. He knew last night was his opportunity. He knew that was his chance to do something in the eyes of WWE that they can never pay him back for, except maybe to finally put that strap on him at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles.
The question is, will Roman Reigns still be the WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion by the time we roll around to next year's WrestleMania? Because I will, again, contend that you don't need to build Rock and Roman around the WWE Universal Championship. But then that comes to the question, who could beat him? Is it going to be Drew McIntyre in Cardiff? Is it going to be Bobby Lashley uh, at, at SummerSlam or Money in the Bank? There's a report out from uh, Wrestling Observer today that the program with Riddle's been scrapped, and that's why Lashley was holding up the the uh, the the replica belt last night after he beat Omos and MVP right after I tweeted out, man, you know, he and Cedric could be a great addition to the tag team. Oh, nope, nope. Okay, they're going to put him right back into the uh, WWE world title picture, which is oh, fine. man, I got to tell you the same thing I've been telling everybody else, Rick. Rick and everybody else, let that hurt business stuff go. Hurt let business. it go. They don't have to be that's hurt business. It. No, that's what they would be. That would, No matter <laughs> if, they, if they are together, people are going to call them the hurt business. Let that go. Let it go. <laughs> MVP, yo, MVP said that to Cedric, and I was like, yo, MVP is spitting. He's spitting <laughs> right now. He, that, that promo was written by me because I've been trying to tell people for months, how many times do they have to ruin the Hurt Business before y'all stop asking for these members to be together? Just cut it out. I'm just looking at a thin tag team division right now. I mean, other than the ones that are constantly being pushed over and over again, and I'm going, hey, you could do some kind of variation with them. But again, it just kind of... AJ and Finn, there you go. You're fine. After, That's a much better big loss, After their big loss last night. And again, that is part of the issue. So let's dive into this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Continue to get your uh, comments and uh, your questions in as we'll be here for about another 20 minutes or so. Busy day in SP3's world. Uh, let's see. Got a big show coming up. I'll let you plug it before we uh, we get toward the end of this because my man's on like 800 different uh, channels and outlets and everything like that. On a scale of 1 to 10, SP3, number one here on the five count, how big of a blow is this Cody injury to WWE moving forward as we head into SummerSlam and the big UK show in Cardiff and, and all that good stuff? Um, I would say it's an 8.5. It's very high up how big of a blow this is because they have really been relying on Cody to kind of be their buffer for when they want to keep Roman Reigns off of a show like last night, which forced Cody Rhodes to fight through injury because this was the first ever time they were given him the main event since his return. So this is like, this is the reason why Cody fought through the pain performed with a torn pectoral muscle because he became their buffer. They had done a whole damn countdown to Cody yes. on Monday night raw. Like they made it that he was the biggest baby face and the guy they were grooming to verse Roman Reigns. So it is a 8.5, but the reason why it's not a 10 is because WWE, sorry, you don't have to use Roman Reigns now because you, yeah. you, you if, he, the, if the guy you were using as a buffer is hurt, it's time to use Roman Reigns. You can't tell me, oh no, we're gonna elevate Drew McIntyre, we're gonna elevate Bobby Lashley. Nope, not good enough. You ain't gonna you ain't gonna get a sellout in a one million dollar gate like you did last night at Hell in a Cell without Cody Rhodes. And it's time for you to to do something with Seth Rollins. You used him to put over Cody Rhodes, but this man deserves his flowers and deserves a bigger push and to be made to one of those guys. One of those guys. Because when we said there's a golden six. He's a number six, the way he's yeah. been used lately. So we need him to move up in that number number bracket. 
And Cody Rhodes has moved his way all the way up to number two uh, in that bracket. And I think solidified it again. I, I keep using that word over and over again, but it's it's just it's just fact uh, at this point. And Seth Rollins is the guy. I think Seth Rollins is the guy that is going to help WWE overcome this. And I would love to see like a big moment of respect angle here out of Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins tonight. Like I want to set up the Seth Rollins baby face turn baby face run for the summer by using him and Cody Rhodes to have that respect handshake thing where finally Seth Rollins like, you know what? F it. You proved it to me, dude. You belong here. When you come back, I ain't going to stand in your way. And maybe I'll be WWE Universal Champion when we come back and we can go for it. We, we can run it back. We can do it again. Give me some kind of angle like that on Monday Night Raw tonight. Right now, I saw a lot of people tweeting out that Kevin Owens needs to be uh, the Money in the Bank winner or uh, a couple other different people need to be Money in the Bank winner. And I'm going, put that briefcase in Seth Rollins' hand and let him run with it again. That, that's all you need to do. I know he hasn't won a singles pay-per-view match in like a year, and he's lost like all of his big matches for the last two years. I think the last big win he had was what against Edge on Raw? Like that was like his last big win. He's still bulletproof because he's that damn good. And he's built up that much equity in the company. Put the money in the bank briefcase on Seth Rollins. And I would actually have him beat the be the one to take it off of Roman Reigns at this point. And yeah, I'm I'm ready to see Cody kind of feud with somebody else, but right now I think it just makes all too much sense. If WrestleMania 39 rolls around and Cody Rhodes is getting his shot at the WWE Universal Championship, that Seth Rollins is the guy he's facing. I almost think it makes that it makes that much sense at this point. Because I don't want Roman Reigns to still be the WWE Universal Champion heading into WrestleMania next year. And that's why this this ranking is still so damn high is because I'm still putting it at like a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, right? Right around in that range. Because from an overall show standpoint, Cody Rhodes has made Raw better. He just makes Raw better, whether it's his matches, his promos, building the show around him, the Cody counter, like literally everything. He has added so much energy and so much freshness to this overall show that has the more stacked roster and then when you look over on SmackDown, it's like, okay, don't even give. We don't even have time to go into the issues at SmackDown. They are so thin in the tag team division. They are thin without Sasha and Naomi in the uh, women's division. And I don't mean lack of talent. I mean lack of talent that WWE is willing to push. There is a major difference, and they don't have a whole lot of that over on SmackDown. They don't have a whole lot of talent in the men's division that they're willing to push as main eventers. They could not absolutely could not stand to lose one of their main guys and this no doubt is a big loss for WWE but to your point yes it ha it forces them it forces them to use Roman Reigns which is why he's probably going to face Bobby Lashley at Money in the Bank I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all but I disagree I don't think Seth Rollins needs to win the money in the bank. I actually like the idea of Kevin Owens winning it more because he needs it. Like he got a win last night, and I feel like that win needs to propel him to something else. Like this is the guy that you counted on to get to have Stone Cold Steve Austin's first match in 19 years, and it, he would benefit more from money in the bank than Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins doesn't need it. Def Seth Rollins has proven he is Teflon. He has lost three straight. It's almost like a war for him. 
It's almost like a reward. No, the reward is him turning babyface and getting a a big time matchup with Roman Reigns, whether it's the next Saudi Arabia show at the end of the year, or if they want to, they want to make Survivor Series seem like a damn thing. uh, They can give it to to him (laughs) there. Him, Yeah, they need to give him that type of match. He does not need money in the bank to get there. Kevin Owens needs it more. I have another idea for Kevin Owens. I'm going to run it past you here before we get run out of time, but let's move on. Uh, Cody Rhodes, obviously not the, um, honestly, arguably not even the biggest injury news of the weekend. That would be one CM Punk uh, who uh, broke his foot Wednesday on Dynamite in that opening show, his first match as AEW World Champion. You want to talk about just absolute worst damn timing to one of the best stories going on in professional wrestling to one of the most over guys one of the most talked about guys i don't care what eric bischoff said uh you know this this guy is printing money for aew right now and he comes out on friday tears in his eyes and says i can't defend this championship right now i can't go i have a broken foot and we're just sitting here going it can't this is as bad as it freaking gets. And then on top of that, we find out Brian Danielson's hurt. And then on top of that, we find out Cody Rhodes is hurt. I mean, it was just bam, bam, bam. Oh, you're a wrestling fan. Bam. I can't wait to find out who's injured tonight. Jesus. Uh, but the interesting thing is here. Tony Khan has decided because CM Punk was ready to step aside and relinquish the AEW world championship. And Tony Khan, after some, some confusion, uh, between what CM Punk said and what Chris Jericho said on commentary turned out, all right, that he is not relinquishing the AEW World Championship. Instead, we're going to have a convoluted tournament thing to determine an interim AEW World Champion. SP3 number two here on the five count. Did Tony Khan make the right decision in keeping CM Punk as the world champion through this injury? Yes, he did. I like the idea of an interim champion. There have been a number of different times that I wish WWE would do that. And I think that a lot of the people that are against this is just so used to the way WWE has done professional wrestling that they refuse to accept anything outside of it. And this is more accustomed to like boxing or to MMA. This is more accustomed to combat sport where you have an interim champion when you don't know if the champ, if they knew CM Punk was going to be out for six months, he would have relinquished the title. Yes, he would have he would have relinquished the title but you know talking about someone who came back from a pectoral muscle injury going bringing everything together i wish that they would have just named an interim wwe champion when john cena got got a pectoral muscle injury at the end of 2007 i mean yeah we wouldn't have got the nice war rumble moment but you could have built to a big champion versus champion situation and there's been times in wwe where they had two or two champions at the same time and you know it led to one great thing with the ladder the ladder match at wrestlemania 10 and it led to not so great thing when cm punk was only gone for eight days and john cena became (laughs) wwe champion and then cm punk was back it was just like well why you just couldn't just name him interim wwe right until you figure out what's going on with cm punk that would have made more sense so i feel like this makes sense especially if cm punk is back before the like the end of the summer because it builds to a big all-out match and either way you can have a big all-out match 2022 because you can have cm punk come back and verse whoever is the interim aew world champion 
Or you can have the interim AEW world champion versus the guy who's trying to win the title and hold the company hostage in MJF. So this is a win-win. This is a win out of a losing situation for Tony Khan in AEW. I agree with everything that you just said. And I and the only thing that I can add on top of that is the storyline with CM Punk coming back after seven years away from the business, hadn't won a world championship in over nine years working his way up, proving that he could still do it and to finally climb to the mountaintop, right? And be able to celebrate and plant that flag and then slip and fall off the mountain and fall all the way back to the bottom would have been a disservice to the entire story. It just would have felt hollow. It would have felt flat. It would have felt wrong, honestly. Like, and I think Tony Khan, that was his thinking. That was his, his decision-making process. Like you can't, after everything, getting you here, talking you to come back, taking the time to, we could have, pushed you to the moon right off the bat we decided to build this up the right way and have you go out and prove that you can still go at a high level even though you may not be the same cm punk that you once were but you were able to find a way to overcome the odds we can't just take the belt off of you and say all right we're gonna give it to somebody else now that would have felt hollow it would have felt flat it would have felt wrong this was 100 absolutely positively the right decision to make and what it does is it sets up a hell of a match, as you said, down the road, interim AEW world champion against AEW champion CM Punk. The question is, number three here, fill in the blank, the interim AEW world champion should be who would face CM Punk in that matchup. John Moxley. It's John Moxley. It's it's very simple. When you have an interim AEW World Champion, it can't be someone who's winning their first AEW World Championship because, like you said, in a way that would feel hollow. So if it was MJF, if it was you know Darby Allen, Warlow, it's like you won your first world title, but did you? Right? <laughs> did you? Like it needs to be someone. Such a good who, point who is a former champion and I don't think there's a, any better choice than John Moxley. This is a guy that in my opinion had the greatest reign of AEW world champion in the most difficult time. And he re revolutionized for, you know, at a time where WWE just doesn't get uh baby faces, right? John Moxley was the first guy who I was just like, this guy hits baby face promos out the park. He comes off as sympathetic yet badass every single time. And that's what makes John Moxley the perfect choice for interim AEW world champion. They've been building him up. He's undefeated since coming back from his rehab program. He's involved in one of the top programs with the Jericho Appreciation Society. So you could have the AEW world champion involved in your blood and guts match as well. This just fits all the T's and especially with Tadahashi seeming like the guy that's going to be from New Japan to uh, face him at Forbidden Door. This is a feud and a match that has built has already been built up for you. Work's this done. has been building for, a, for 18 months. Moxley's been calling out Tanahashi and they were denied the opportunity of having that one on one match in Washington, D.C. And that was a blessing in disguise now for Tony Khan. This just works on so many levels. My, my boy Blue is a man after my own heart. AEW champ should be uh, Dan Housen. Ah, I, I, you know, even 
even me, a Dan Housen homer, right? Like I can't, I can't do it. I can't say that makes sense. I wouldn't even say it makes sense for Hookhausen to win the tag team champions. Uh, Eddie James saying have Swerve win the world title, then Keith Lee the TNT title team Taz tag champs uh, have a summer of uh, of black joy. I'm sure uh, Sid would enjoy that as well. And there's part of me that's sitting there going, man, it would be fun to watch Wardlow get a run with the run, run with the belt this summer. It would be fun uh, to watch somebody like Darby Allen just go nuts, right? Make the best out of a bad situation and just throw storytelling out the window and just have some fun with this i agree with you john moxley makes the most sense from a storyline standpoint like you said the match with tanahashi it's already built it's already done it's set up the storyline is there and that's falling back asswards into a good situation if you're tony khan it, it, it just is and i and you make a great point of who would want their first world title reign to technically be and eh, does it really make a whole you weren't really world you were the interim in this there's one guy I think that would make a ton of sense if you're going to put it on him for the first time and maybe the only time in his entire AEW career. There's one guy that this makes sense to do that move with, and it's Eddie Kingston. Like 100% slam dunk. It makes sense. Plus, you still got the story and the rivalry there with, with CM Punk. And if CM Punk comes back and he's got to fight Eddie Kingston, interim AEW world champion against CM Punk for the AEW world championship. Like that match writes itself. That's another story that just absolutely is there. It's built. It's done. And yeah, it would be very Eddie Kingston to say, I was a former AEW world champion and CM Punk would be like, were you really though? Were you really, or were you just holding it until I came back? I think that's a move that would make sense. But John Moxley is the guy he, he deserves, whether it's as an interim or not, he deserves to have that strap on his shoulder with fans in the stands, with asses in the seats. That's the guy. I think he's the one who's got to win it. I think he will win it. He's going to face the winner of a battle Royal on Wednesday. And then we're going to have another match uh, in a new Japan show. And that's going to determine the match at uh, Dominion this yeah. coming Sunday, Hiroki Goto versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. I don't know why it's Hiroki Goto <laughs> should be Will Ospreay. I'm just saying, cause then the, the, the outcome would be a little bit mysterious. So, but so spoiler alert, spoiler Tanahashi alert. It's going to be Moxley and Tanahashi <laughs> at forbidden door. And Moxley will probably go ahead and win that. So, well, we don't know. That's a, actually because Tanahashi was the match we were promised. Tanahashi versus CM Punk. So right. I do think that is a good choice of two guys where there is a little bit of doubt that Moxley would win. All right. So moving on, number four here. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Hell in a Cell last night. And I want to reiterate something in case you know somebody tries to take what I said at the beginning of the show out of context. The opening women's match last night was an absolute classic. I loved it. Those three ladies absolutely killed it. Could not enjoy that match more. I love the finish last night of Bianca pulling a Becky and tossing Becky out after she hit the manhandle slam and pinning Asuka off of Becky's offense. I absolutely love that. Tremendous storytelling last night. Could not love that match more. But Bianca did come out on top. They left a little bit more meat on that bone if they decide to go back to Bianca and Becky one more time, which I don't think they need to do. So I will ask, what is next for Bianca Belair after retaining her Raw Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell last night? Well, I'm just going by how WWE has booked their last couple of premium live events and the fact that Money in the Bank is not in the stadium. It's in the MGM Grand Arena. I think Bianca Belair's next defense is going to come on a Monday Night Raw. It's not going to come at Money in the Bank because you got the Money in the Bank contract match uh, that's going to have a few women for Raw and SmackDown probably. And I think on the SmackDown side, you need to have a matchup for their SmackDown Women's Championship at this next show. And it makes all the world, all the sense 
sense in the world to do Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler in Las Vegas during International Fight Week. You have yep. two of the uh, former MMA horsewomen. That's your women's matchup there. So that's two women's matchup. WWE doesn't seem interested in booking three. So Bianca has Hell in a Cell, or, I mean, uh, Money in the Bank off. And yes, we are going to Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Th- uh, what is it? Four now? Four. Five? Four, four or five? five. Kind of yeah, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight. It's going to happen at, at uh, SummerSlam because that's the one match that they haven't, they've been staying away from for a reason. They did every type of combination with these three women, Bianca, Becky, and Asuka on TV, except for that one. That's why it's going to be at SummerSlam and the finish plays into it nicely because Becky Lynch has been furious. She's been upset ever since WrestleMania, feeling like her identity has been stolen. And then Bianca Belair, like you said, basically won the match the same way Becky Lynch has won triple threats yeah. in the past. Same way Becky Lynch won the triple threat at Crown Jewel last year against Sasha and, B- and Bianca. And it showed yeah. that Bianca has grown. She's bu- she's, she's been smarter. Learning. She's learning. I love the the improvement to her ring gear. And like you said, that was a fabulous opener to the show and would have been the match of the night and what we'd be talking about coming out if it wasn't for Cody Rose working with one arm. These two, three women went out there and had a show stealer. They walked through the curtain last night and said, fucking follow that. Uh, if it's me, though, I mean, if you're if you look at the landscape, I mean, there's really only one superstar star on Raw who's been winning matches consistently the last few weeks. And that includes of the three challengers last night because they've all been kind of intermixing and losing and winning. It's Alexa Bliss. What are you building Alexa Bliss toward? Is it toward a money in the bank win or is it toward a world championship match? So if it ain't the match with Becky. I think Bianca is going to be fighting Alexa Bliss sooner rather than later. Last but not least, because I know you got to go, so we'll do this real quick. I tweeted this out last night, and this got a tremendous response uh, on social media. So hear me out, SP3. We stretch this KO Ezekiel program out toward Money in the Bank. You put them in an I quit match. But instead of saying I quit, they have to get their opponent to say either I'm Elias or he is Ezekiel to win the matchup. I know you want KO to win money in the bank, but I think that would be a hilarious way and a proper way to close out this feud, which is utterly ridiculous in every sense of the word, but is still good in some way. shape. Honestly, I have a lot of respect for you, Rick. So that's why I didn't interrupt you as soon as you said, let's stretch KO versus Ezekiel <laughs> until money in the bank. Cause I wanted to stop you right then and there, but I was like, I'm gonna let him finish. I'm gonna let him finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce had the greatest uh, music video. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I'm good on Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens because what we said on the prediction show, what we said in the buildup to, to this match, we've loved this feud. What has been on the mic? What has been about the characters? But as soon as the bell rings, no one cared. No one cared. They popped for the finish. They, they did a little faint Ezekiel chant, a little faint uh, going back and forth. He's a liar. No, he's not. That was cool. But the crowd did not care because yeah. that's the problem with Ezekiel and Elias. No one seems to care when the bell rings. So, no, I am over it. Kevin right, what if proved- they did it next week on Raw and that was it? Okay, that's good. That that's that's <laughs> Yeah, you got me. You got me there. Do it on Raw. That's perfect. Right. That's fine. Okay, cool. Because I I just love the idea. Like I thought it would be it would just okay. Don't stretch it out to Money in the Bank, fine. But that match should happen, right? And then you could get mm-hmm. Kevin Owens to have to quit or whatever. 
or we could finally just say, hey, Ezekiel's actually Elias, and we can all move the hell on uh, from this. All right, just I know you got to go. That's four more weeks. I was four like, more oh, weeks. Man. Yes. <laughs> I know you got to run and do some else. So I'm going to let you fly. Appreciate you. SP three. Where can people find your next show? I will be going live in about less than 10 minutes on ITR clips, YouTube channel. It's going to be myself, Sat Niangi and Alex McCarthy, the daily boys reunited on inside the ropes, Monday night live. We're going to be talking about hell in a cell in your house, CM Punk's injury, MJF drama. We'll be talking about it all. So check it out. Everything we just talked about, uh, except much better. So appreciate it. I know you got to run. Take care, man. Uh, I'm going to wrap up here, guys. I know I saw some stuff uh, in the chat that I wanted to uh, to get to. Uh, noob saying that uh, I think it's going to be Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. I think that is going to be the case, but I think that's going to be SummerSlam. That has SummerSlam written all over for me because I think sooner rather than later, the Judgment Day is is, is they've got to be booked in a way that presents them as top-level main eventers. And I think that's coming sooner rather than later because edge is there, right? Like they aren't going to book this team badly. They are going to get every chance they can to be a major success. And the booking is going to come with that. So sooner or later, Rhea Ripley, I think is the match that's going to happen. And I, I would peg that at SummerSlam or honestly, maybe even maybe SP three is right. Maybe they do Becky, Bianca, four, five, six, seven, whatever number that we're on. Maybe they do that at SummerSlam, and then they do Bianca and Rhea in Cardiff at the big stadium show over in uh, the UK. Because remember, Rhea Ripley uh, cut her teeth in WWE uh, in uh, in um, NXT uh, UK, so that might be uh, the way they go. Queen saying, I, "I don't know why, but I feel like uh, Alexa is next for Bianca." That's what makes sense. That's what makes sense based off of Alexa's booking. If you're having her win match after match after match, it's got to be for a reason. So whether it's just to build momentum heading into Money in the Bank and she's going to be the, win, the one that wins Money in the Bank or she's going to get a title shot at Money in the Bank or a title shot at SummerSlam. I don't know. All I know is they got to do they got an issue over on SmackDown and I'm going to try to carve out some time for SB3 and I talk about that on our live show tomorrow because if you look at that that six pack challenge that they did on Friday there was not a whole lot of people that the fans are invested in. And again, I have talked about this. I, I have a lot of respect and I see the talent and every single woman that was in that match, but I'm sorry, as far as depth is concerned for the, the level of talent that WWE is willing to book as main eventers is very thin on smack. I don't see any, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see any faith that WWE sees potential and value in main eventers and people like Aaliyah or Shotzi uh, or even Shayna Baszler and Natalia. I, I, I mean, they are great pieces and they should be booked better, but they were going to book Naomi in a, in a smack in a raw women's title match. They were going to book Naomi in a raw women's title match, even though they have that, that huge depth that they have over there on Monday night raw. I don't know why they don't reverse that. You, you've got a depth issue from a, Again, as far as talent you're willing to book to a certain level, can we move Sonya Deville over to SmackDown? I think that would be a start. But if you're not going to have Alexa challenge for Bianca Belair, bring Alexa over to SmackDown and have her challenge Ronda Rousey. 
that would just be uh, my idea on that. Do appreciate everybody who tuned in today. Uh, SB3 and I will be back tomorrow, 2.15, uh, live here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel, breaking down everything from Monday Night Raw last night and any other major news that breaks. Let's cross our fingers, guys. No injuries. Cross our fingers. No injuries. No more. None. We're done for the year. Done for the year. We'll see what happens tonight on Raw. Thank you so much for tuning in. Pound the thumbs up button. Pound that subscribe button. Check out my interview with Damian Priest. Oh, by the way, had a chance to talk to Miz and Maurice for Cage Side Seats. Check out my Twitter feed, at Rick Uchino. For those listening on the podcast, that's R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. Check that out. And uh, you can read my article uh, for talking about Miz and Maurice and all things Miz and Mrs. and a whole bunch of different things. Uh, that is up uh, on CagesideSeats.com. You can find the article on my Twitter feed. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast Live Edition, brought to you by Bet Online. Take care. Have enjoy the rest of your Monday, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.